a revolutionary baby monitor is born. I want to introduce you to a brand new baby monitor, Massimo Stork. Massimo Stork Baby Monitor tracks health indicators so you can get to know your baby better. Track your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and skin temperature with the high-resolution video and clear two-way audio from the Stork app. While Massimo Stork Baby Monitor is new, Massimo Signal Extraction Technology, or SET to be exact, has been trusted in hospitals for over 25 years. In fact, 9 out of 10 top U.S. hospitals, as ranked in the 2022-2023 U.S. News & World Report, uses Massimo SET as their primary pulse oximetry technology. Now, this technology is available for families at home, empowering confident parenting. Go to Massimo Stork to learn more. Please remember, Mosmo Stork is not meant to be used as a medical device. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. For my yoga teacher friends who are interested in working with the pregnant population, Prenatal Yoga Center offers an 85-hour Yoga Alliance certified program based on our three-pronged theory of prenatal yoga, asana, education, and community. Once a year, we hold our three-month immersion program in New York City. For those who cannot attend this training, Caprice and I are now traveling to different locations holding our training at hosting studios where we will spend six days working together, exploring and learning about prenatal yoga. This training consists of more than 50 hours working together. We also created a whole membership website with more than 20 videos corresponding directly to the manual you will receive. For more information, check out our website at prenatalyogacenter.com. Hope to work with you soon. Take care. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on Yoga Birth Babies. I'm Deb Flaschenberg, and I am your host today. And we are talking to Mima Spadola, and she is a postpartum doula. Personally, I had a postpartum doula, and if we did not have that, I'm not quite sure how we would have survived. So let me tell you a little bit about Mima, and then we're going to talk about the world of postpartum doulas. Mima Spadola is a Dona, Doulas of North America, trained and certified postpartum doula since 2006, a certified lactation counselor since 2010, and is also trained in infant CPR. She has a particular interest in lactation support, infant massage, baby wearing, and supporting parents who are struggling with postpartum mood disorder, including PPD and anxiety. Mima enjoys working with a diverse range of families, including single, adoptive, and LGBTQ parents. She's a former documentary filmmaker whose films about body image and family issues have been broadcast on PBS, HBO, and beyond. She's a proud mother of a son born in July of 2007 and lives with her family in Kensington, Windsor Terrace, Brooklyn. A revolutionary baby monitor is born. I want to introduce you to a brand new baby monitor, Massimo Stork. Mosmo Stork Baby Monitor tracks health indicators so you can get to know your baby better. Track your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and skin temperature with the high-resolution video and clear two-way audio from the Stork app. While Mosmo Stork Baby Monitor is new, Mosmo Signal Extraction Technology, or SET to be exact, has been trusted in hospitals for over 25 years. In fact, 9 out of 10 top U.S. hospitals, as ranked in the 2022-2023 U.S. News & World Report, uses Mosmo SET as their primary pulse oximetry technology. Now, this technology is available for families at home, empowering confident parenting. 
Go to Massimo Stork to learn more. Please remember, Massimo Stork is not meant to be used as a medical device. Hi, Mima. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. I love talking about this stuff. I know. I'm, I'm kind of a birth junkie, so it's really kind of fun for me to do these podcasts and speak with people like you. So I want to jump into what brought you to becoming a postpartum doula. We were talking about you were doing documentaries before, so that's a big shift. Yeah. So in my documentary work, I had dealt with a lot of themes around what it means to be a woman and women's bodies and family issues. Um, but the thing that really pushed me into wanting to be a postpartum doula was watching one of my best friends go through a really rough postpartum depression after the birth of her first child. And I had heard the term baby blues before, but I really had no clear sense of what postpartum depression was. And it was frightening and it was upsetting. And I was left feeling like, wait a minute, we all paid so much attention to her when she was pregnant and we threw her a baby shower and everyone was so excited when the baby was born. But then what did we do for her? And, and how did this happen to her? And what can we do now? And I thought, if only there was some way that we could better support parents after the birth of a baby, and particularly women, particularly mothers. Um, and then I started hearing about postpartum doulas. And I was like immediately just felt like, oh, this is what I need to do. And there was a training happening in my neighborhood shortly after I had started looking into it. And I just jumped right in and it felt like the perfect new career for me. That's wonderful. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between a labor support doula and a postpartum doula? Because I think people hear doula and they may not even know there's two different types. Yeah, absolutely. So I think when most people hear the word doula, if they know at all what a doula is, they think about birth doulas. And there are certainly some birth doulas who do postpartum support as well. I am a postpartum doula only. And what that means is I come after the baby is born. Although certainly for some people, they want to get me involved before the baby comes. I can help them come up with a postpartum plan and we can talk about what a postpartum plan is. I can help them figure out things like ordering a pump. How do they get a pump through uh, their insurance um, plan? Um, how do they get set up? You know, setting up the uh, nursery, sort of setting up on a practical level and setting up on a more uh, uh you know, figurative, um, uh, level. Um, but the main thing that I do is I come after the baby is born and I am there to support the whole family. I'm there to really care for the family, whether it's a family of two or a family of three or a family of many more, I'm supporting that whole family unit and particularly focusing if it's a mother who's just given birth, particularly focusing on that mother baby dyad. So what's the difference between a baby nurse and a postpartum doula? Because I've had a lot of students say, oh, I'm going to get a baby nurse. And I, I remind them, like, they're very different. They are very different. And the big difference is that the baby nurse who, you know, it's not really accurate to call them baby nurses. They aren't nurses, but they are there to care for the baby. Um, and that can certainly be valid and important. But they're just caring for the baby. They're not caring for the mother-baby dyad. They're not caring for the family as a whole. Um, and sometimes when it's not going so well, 
what's happening is that people are feeling, the new parents are feeling a little bit left out of the process. They're feeling, instead of more secure and gaining skills, they're feeling less secure. They're feeling like this this expert has all of the answers. She knows what to do. She knows how to feed the baby, soothe the baby, um, get the baby to sleep. And they're left feeling dependent and less confident. Um, and what I am always working to do is um, to work myself out of a job. It's a sticky thing to say, but it really is true. I know that it's time to go when I see my clients confidently handling their baby, reading signs that before they were like, ah, I don't know what it means when she does that. Um, they're nursing, you know, and it's easy and they're, you know, just clearly growing into their new roles as parents. And I, okay, it is time for me to go. I am building independence. I'm not building dependence. That's wonderful. Yeah. we found that we had this similar situation, especially with our first, uh, we did a home birth. So when the midwife and the doula left, we were literally counting the minutes until the doula arrived and we were clueless, completely clueless. And then she helped us and we got more and more confident and, you know, we kept working week by week. And then soon I'm like, okay, I think, I think I can stand on my own two feet. So yeah, she worked herself out of a job. So for those that don't know exactly what a postpartum doula does, can you talk about, so you show up with a new family and what would be some of the things that you help them with or or teach them? Yeah. So on any given day, it can be completely different and I have to roll with whatever is coming. Um, For some people, a lot of the focus in the early days are on making breastfeeding work. Um, for some people it's, you know, that they've gone through a really difficult birth, a physically difficult, emotionally difficult birth. Um, and they need, you know, practical emotional support kind of recovering from that. Uh, for some people they're bringing home a baby, um, who's, you know, been in the NICU for a while and they're really just trying to figure out, you know, how do we transition to home parenting our baby at home? Um, some babies are higher needs. Some babies are more mellow. Some babies, um, you know, they come in all different flavors. And so I feel like a lot of what I do is dictated by how, you know, if you've given birth, how you're recovering from that birth, if you're breastfeeding, how that's going and what kind of temperament your baby has. So, you know, there are days when, I walk in the door and it's really clear that, you know, oh boy, the parents have not eaten and they have not slept. And really the first thing I need to do is to make sure they have some breakfast or sometimes lunch um, uh, and that maybe they get a nap. Uh, For some days, you know, it's like, oh, let's work on really fun, practical stuff. Like let's go through all of the baby carriers that your friends and family members have passed along to you and figure out which one of these are going to work for you, will work for you. And, how do you how do you use them? Or maybe it's time to give the baby the first bath because the umbilical cord has come off. Or um, maybe it's just sort of more freewheeling, like whatever comes up that day. Sometimes I'm making meals. Sometimes I'm running an errand. Sometimes it's just as basic as like throwing a load of laundry in. I'm wearing the baby in a sling. I've got the you know laundry going. I'm prepping some food, and the parents are taking a nap. And it's like even just. A 45-minute nap can feel like this heavenly, refreshing, you know, like game changer. Um, You know, usually the visits are not any longer than four hours, but we always manage to pack a lot into those four hours. Um, So it really ranges from 
very practical nitty gritty support that just helps the parents feel cared for so they can focus on caring for their baby to, you know, the very specialized stuff like really working on breastfeeding. I'm also a certified lactation counselor um, or figuring out the pump for the first time, learning, you know, teaching the parents how to do what we call paste bottle feeding to help the baby go back and forth between breast and bottle. Um, I mean, it can just be Every day looks different. But I, I think that's great because I think a lot of people hear that and think, oh, you know, I'm going to have uh, my mother-in-law or my mother or my sister here. But I think it's very different because I, I had family and there was I needed them not to be my family to really serve me. They wanted to help, but I needed someone that was not emotionally involved, almost like a labor sport duel in that way. You that know, it's a great point. Yeah. And I could easily say to them, you know, the doula, like, please do my laundry. And it wouldn't have to be like, oh, thank you so much for doing my laundry. Or thank you so like it. I don't know this, the, the difference. Cause I think having family around is great, but something about a postpartum doula that's really there kind of like little angel floating around. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, I mean, I have a bunch of things to say about that, yes, but please do. one of the things that I say to people is like, I am like a mother without any baggage. Exactly. No history. <laughs> I'm not going to push your buttons and you're not going to push mine. Um, I am just here to support you. Plus I've got all of this evidence-based information that is totally up to date. And maybe your mother did breastfeed and that was 30 something years ago. Maybe your mother didn't breastfeed and she has all sorts of weird feelings about the fact that she didn't breastfeed and she's feeling a little insecure about it. Or maybe she's the most wonderful, caring, loving person in the world, but just feels kind of out of practice with dealing with a new baby. And a lot of all of these rules have changed, you know, and sometimes that leaves, you know, the visiting grandmother feeling kind of out of the loop and a little awkward. So sometimes I've been there as kind of a mediator, helping provide some support and education for the grandparents and helping them feel included so that, you know, it's coming from me. It's not feeling like criticism. It's, it, there's no tension or, you know, anxiety. It's like, we're all, you know, we're all on the same boat. We're all on the same team. Um, the other thing I talk about with people is you have to really think about the difference between visitors and helpers. They are not the same thing. You know, anyone who comes to your home in those first six weeks really needs to be a helper, not just a visitor. I I have way too many clients who will report, you know, like, yeah, my in-laws were here and they kind of sat on the couch and they, needed me to make them coffee and they needed directions about how to get around and they needed this and they needed that. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> you as the new parents cannot be caring for anyone but yourself and, and yourselves and the baby. You, you can't be taking care of these visitors too. Anyone who comes to your home should be bringing food, should be prepared to do your dishes, should be prepared to do a load of laundry and do it without expecting much in return. Maybe they're going to have a little cuddle with the baby, but oftentimes what new parents need is not to hand their baby over to someone else, but to be cared for so they can have some, you know, downtime and, and quiet, nice connection with their baby. And of course it's true that sometimes as a new parent, you feel like I need to get this baby off of my body now. And I need to be (laughs) alone in the shower or go out for a walk or take a nap. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really important to think about 
who you are having in your home. Absolutely. I remember clearly um, breastfeeding in my room and my father-in-law walked by with his like eye, hand by his eyes because he was afraid to see me breastfeed. <laughs> it was a small one bedroom, but absolutely. I do agree that the postpartum doula really can offer a different level of relationship that, than the parent or, or friends or relatives can. It's really important. So can you talk a little bit about specific benefits? Have you, are there any studies out there or anything um, that you can offer about the specific benefits of a postpartum doula? So, you know, there's a, there are a lot of studies around having qualified support. So it's not so much that they've done studies specifically about doulas, but about having, you know, that kind of evidence-based professional, uh, you know, caring support, um, the outcomes for, uh, new parents is, you know, definitely greater success in breastfeeding if they're deciding to breastfeed. Um, and, uh, they do better, you know, from a mental health point of view. Um, they haven't, singled out postpartum doulas in those studies though, that I'm aware of. Yeah. I was just thinking about lowering the rates of postpartum depression. Because postpartum depression and postpartum mood disorders, that is the most common medical complication due to childbirth. One in eight women are affected by some kind of postpartum mood disorder. That's huge. That's a huge number. Huge. It's huge. And of course there are, you know, many different degrees and there are many different kinds of postpartum mood disorders. I think we kind of just think of postpartum depression, but there's, you know, postpartum anxiety and post, I mean, there are more extreme versions, but there are lots of, um, you know, kind of more OCD postpartum, uh, you know, mood disorders. So women are dealing with a lot of different feelings around that time. And even when it is not truly a postpartum mood disorder, you know, it's just emotionally a really rocky time and feeling really cared for and supported and secure is, is so crucial. Um, you know, obviously there's a hormonal component and there's just, what is the situation around you? You know, how much support do you have? Do you have a partner? Do you have a supportive partner? Do you have a supportive partner who can be staying home from work for more than a week or two weeks? I mean, that is a huge problem in our culture. Absolutely. I mean, that, that can go off on a whole nother tangent there. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But I, I absolutely have the mom feeling. It's such a... A turbulent time. There's so many emotions. There's excitement. Then there's, where's my body? Whose body is this? What? How do I handle this baby? Is there? I'm not sure in the postpartum doula training. I only know the labor support, which I did. Is there anything about how to identify if the mom's having any mood disorders so that she could help the family? So, 
Yeah. So all postpartum doula, postpartum doulas are trained in recognizing postpartum mood disorders. We have resources. We have tons of information that we can share. Um, I've worked with many people, both uh, in situations where I have seen it coming and been able to help identify and refer out. And I have also worked with many uh, families where they were well aware that that was what was going on and had reached out to me for additional support. And I mean, I know just how powerful that depression and anxiety can be for people, how huge it feels and how it feels, you know, people feel so guilty. They feel so um, ashamed that this is something that they're feeling. We are just fed such a fantasy about how much we will love being new parents and new mothers, how much we will love our babies. We are told over and over and over, enjoy every minute. This is just so precious, isn't it? Oh, you must just be, oh, you must have fallen in love. Oh, you must be so happy. You must be over the moon. And the truth is, it is way more complicated than that. Even if you are not depressed, you are not enjoying every minute of it. You couldn't possibly be enjoying every minute of it. And you are not falling in love instantly and completely all the time. Um, so I try to bring a dose of reality to the table. And that's not to frighten people or, you know, to, to be, a, you know, a downer about this. I happen to think that, you know, for me personally, becoming a mother is like the thing I have loved most in my life and am proudest of and find is the greatest adventure. But I also think if we're really honest about it, it rocks your world. It rocks your body. It rocks your relationship. If you have a partner, it just really <laughs> shakes things up. And I think we would be doing new parents and particularly new mothers a huge favor if we could be more honest about this and make room for a whole range of very complicated feelings um, particularly when you add into the mix, um, you know, that labor and birth is also, we've made a lot of fantasies about how that should be and what that should be like and how we should behave and what the outcome should be. And so people are dealing with a whole mix of feelings around how that went down and how they're feeling now that the baby is there. And so I just think making room for that. And for me, it means being a positive, supportive presence and pointing out what is going well and listening to the stuff that is hard and recognizing it and supporting goes a long way towards just feeling okay about the crazy mix of um, emotions that you're experiencing. And I think you just touched upon something really important that you can hold the space for a woman to process her feelings. And if it's a family member, whether again, a mother, a sister, a mother-in-law, a partner, they're going, they may be uncomfortable hearing the mom say, I'm having a really hard time because they might have their own reaction to, uh Oh, what's going on. And then they yeah. might be having their own experience. I mean, I completely agree with you that First of all, parenthood, amazing, but hard. And yeah. I don't think we discuss that enough. Kind of like I had a woman in my prenatal class and I was talking about labor is hard. Let's work to prepare ourselves mentally and emotionally. She's after class. She's like, I don't think you should tell people labor is hard. I'm like, well, I think I should. Because she's like, I just blocked you out and flushed that down my mind, flushed it down the toilet of my mind. And I'm thinking, well, okay, but late for most of us, you know, she's like, I'm focusing on an orgasmic birth. I'm like, great. great. But, but most of us, if I tell the women that 
you know, labor is just, you're just going to breathe through. It's going to be fine. Just like motherhood is going to breathe through it. I'm doing them a disservice. So I think if we put that as that's what it has to be, we're all going to feel like failures if we meet something different. So I love that you're putting it out there, you know, giving the women the space, like, yeah, this is hard and let's, and talk about it. I will hold this space for you to process. I think that's an incredibly important role that a baby nurse likely won't do and family may not be able to do. Yeah. People get very, very anxious when people start to express emotions that sound negative. And I think, you know, certainly around birth, when people express sadness about, you know, like a cesarean birth, immediately what everyone says is that you have a healthy baby. The healthy baby is the only thing that matters. Really, it's not. (laughs) With that aftermath all the time. Yeah, I I talk to my students about that. And of course, we want the healthy baby, but we can't invalidate the mom's feelings. And we have to give her the space again to process. And, you know, there are certainly times when I will, you know, I'll talk to the parents at the hospital. I'm generally meeting them after they come home from the hospital. Sometimes I go to the hospital and, you know, I hear, wow, she had a really rough birth. Wow, she had a cesarean. So I'll always just sort of say, like, how are you doing around this? And, you know, whatever you want to say about it. And I kind of make room for it. And sometimes they seem like they're really totally fine. I'm like, I'm here in case they change their minds and they want to express a feeling that's not okay. But for some people, they really, it doesn't matter so much. And for some people, it just, it is a horrible way to get this process started. And so I'm always glad when I can be the voice that's like, it is okay for you to have some really hard feelings about this. That's great. I love that. Can you, uh, what is your approach to working with the new family? So say someone just calls you, they're interested in your services. How does that unfold? So if the baby has already been born, that's one thing. And usually it's like, well, let's set up a visit and I'll come for the first time. We're not going to do a pre-interview. Let me just come. I'll jump in. We'll see how that first time goes. Um, and then we can kind of take it from there. A lot of what I do is, you know, certainly what do you, you know, when I come to someone's home, what are you hoping to get out of my visit today? Do you have an agenda for today? But the truth is for some people, they're just like, oh, we called you because we're totally overwhelmed. (laughs) We don't even know what we need, but we need. And so then my job is to figure it out and to be the best possible support I can be on that day. And, you know, going forward, you know, we take it as it comes. Um, for people who contact me when they're pregnant, that works great too. I love getting that advanced time because then we can meet in person. We can have a conversation. We can start talking about like, have you come up with a postpartum plan? What is, you know, what is this plan? Um, I can even introduce the concept of a postpartum plan. Um, we can talk about, Uh, what their expectations are. I can really flag the issue of postpartum mood disorders. I can get a little bit of, you know, medical history. So I know like, oh, is there going to be an issue with breastfeeding if you're choosing to breastfeed? You know, I've worked with a ton of people who've had, you know, breast reduction surgery. And for them, that presents, you know, a special challenge in terms of making a full milk supply. So I love when there's that chance prenatally to get to know one another and to really explore, you know, what what that family's needs are going to be. And then sometimes it turns out that those needs are not what they thought they needed. And I love it all the time. I have people who will, you know, I have a prenatal questionnaire and 
I'll say, are you planning on breastfeeding? And if so, are you expecting any support? And people are often like, yes, and yes, I need support. And then, you know, I'll show up and they'll be like, well, breastfeeding got off to a really amazing start. You're doing great. How about that? You thought you were going to be using all of your visits to talk about breastfeeding, but it turns out we can talk about many other things now because it turned out to be pretty easy for you. Great. So I've heard about what a birth plan is. Uh, I call them birth preferences. Can you expand on what a postpartum plan is? I should probably call them postpartum preferences. Well, I just say, I think for birth specifically, because when you say plan, you kind of think it's going to happen. And uh, the majority of the time, not quite that way. Yes. I I can personally testify to that. Um, (laughs) Yes. So I am seriously... I'm going to reconsider calling it a plan and I will say postpartum preferences. Right. But what I do say is to people, I'm guessing that you have thought about writing down or at least talking out what your preferences are for your labor and your birth. Let's take some time or let, you know, you take some time and really think about what you want for your postpartum period. And when I say postpartum period, I am generally talking about the first like six to eight weeks. There's something about, you know, generally that first six weeks, those 40 days that pretty much worldwide is recognized as this particular time. Um, And so I'll say like, what other needs do you have during that time? Like if you have a dog, for example, like who's going to be walking that dog? Because it might not be you or your partner necessarily. How are you going to be getting your needs met like food? You know, can you afford to hire someone to come in to maybe do a cleaning once a week? Um, You know, certainly I will help with some of those things, but it's not a great use of my time in terms of the fee you're paying me versus the fee you would pay a house cleaner. If you cannot afford to have someone else clean your home, are there people you know who are willing to help out with some of those things? Also, are you willing to let some of the things that you don't normally let slide, are you willing to let them slide for this period of time? Um, If you have an older child, let's really talk about what kind of care you have in place for that older child or care that you have for, for your newborn so that you can make room so that you can be with your older child and really continue that relationship in a way that's, you know, feels good for both of you. Um, what, what supplies do you need in advance? I think it's really helpful to get your breast pump in advance if you can, so that you're not scrambling or feeling anxious about it, um, in a pinch, all of these things, you know, I think it's really important to plan ahead. I suggest that people, if they can, go to a free La Leche League meeting before, if they're planning on breastfeeding, go to a La Leche League meeting. Um, It is free. They are totally welcoming to people who are pregnant to come in and just be like, I'm just here to listen and learn and look. Um, I bet you anything, there will always be someone there who's like, yeah, come on over, watch me nurse. Um, Just having you know, just taking that time to think through, um, what, what you're hoping for, what you imagine. I am shocked sometimes when I talk to people who just didn't seem to really clearly talk through with their partner, um, what the plan was for staying home from work, what the plan was for division of labor. Um, you know, if you are planning on breastfeeding, you're going to be doing all of the baby feeding, What is your partner going to be doing? If you don't have a partner, what kind of extra support are you lining up for yourself? You know, I work with plenty of single parents by choice and, you know, you definitely need extra help. You definitely need extra emotional and practical and physical support. 
These are great questions. And I'm, as you're saying, and I'm like, what did we do? We kind of went with it. I mean, a lot of it we knew, like we were going to breastfeed and, you know, plan some of that stuff ahead, but I don't think we had really kind of a set preference, especially I think the division of labor, you know, if one person is always the cook and say that was the mom and now she's not up doing that, you know, who's taking over, you know, the organizer, like in my relationship, I tend to be the organizer and that was not something I could do at that time. So my husband had to take that over, but I definitely think that's something, it's so interesting. It's so much like labor and I don't know why I didn't make that connection. And you know, like things like the truth is all of your friends who love you, they want to help you. And so if you can come up with a plan or preferences, you can actually start to identify specific things that people can do to help you in a way that is not at all obnoxious. It's giving them a chance to give you something because you don't need another bouquet of flowers. You don't need another set of (laughs) You really don't need that. But I have this amazing memory of, you know, after, so my mother came and helped us after our son was born. And when she was getting ready to leave, I was realizing, oh, who's going to be cooking for us? And so we sat down and we just said like, okay, let's start slotting our friends into these food delivery, you know, this food delivery schedule. And I was like, I feel so unable to ask for that myself. And so I can't remember whether it was my husband or my mother who, who reached out, but I got one of them to do it because it felt so hard to ask for help. But then all of our friends came and they all brought wonderful food. And every once in a while, I'll still like discover like the Tupperware that they left <laughs> behind. And I'll think of like, oh God, that amazing roasted chicken or that, oh, that salad missoise or, oh, that incredible like Texas barbecue that another friend brought. Like everyone stepped up to the plate. Everyone brought just wonderful food. I felt so loved, so cared for, so supported. And, you know, had we not asked, they might not have felt like they were able to be like, hey, we're coming and we're bringing you food. So sometimes like you giving people that invitation, that permission and telling them specifically what you need is like a great gift you give to them. That's a great idea. I hadn't thought of that. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. Purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. My, uh, my team at my yoga studio for my first child, they got together and the gift they gave me was a week's worth of money for a postpartum doula because they knew we could get about two weeks. Um, my mom was gifting us two weeks and many of them had kids. They're like, you're going to need a little more time than that. And so that was their gift. It was an amazing gift. So listeners out there, if you have a friend that's giving birth soon, group together with some people, a postpartum doula gift is a really great idea. I always accept gift certificates. I can do that. I love doing that. I mean, that's, you know, my one sort of complaint in my work is that I wish all women could have a postpartum doula. I really wish this were not limited by finance. Financial realities, it is really frustrating. I just think this, you know, and in Europe, you know, I have friends who live in Europe who are like, oh, we we have these 
visitors who, you know, they are visitors, but they're helpers. Mm -hmm. That is just set up. It's a thing that just happens automatically. And of course, it saves in, you know, healthcare costs because you're finding problems before they really become big and you're helping. Uh, I mean, it's just it's so multi-layered. You know, you're helping exactly find if there's an emotional problem, breastfeeding problem. Um, you know, some of my friends that are postpartum doulas that are also yoga teachers can start to introduce some pelvic floor support. You know, really kind of dive oh. into that whole picture. It's sad our country doesn't do that. Since you mentioned cost, I want to go into a few things about what is the range in time of a postpartum doula that spends with a family, but also what would that cost look like? Yeah. So the way, and I don't even remember how I came upon this number to begin with, but at this point, what I recommend is committing to like 16 hours upfront. That's when you've booked me in advance because that allows me then to say like, okay, I'm, I'm, I know that you're due in February and I'm going to be, you know, making myself, you know, relatively available around this time. Um, I try not to overbook myself. So I, have no more than two or three families I'm working with at the same time. Um, and that kind of holds some space and time. Um, some people use up that 16 hours in one week. Some people spread that 16 hours over six weeks. Um, usually visits are like three to four hours. Sometimes I'll do a shorter visit, especially if they're nearby me. Um, you know, it's, you know, for that initial, for that initial deposit, you know, it's somewhere around a thousand dollars. I mean, I guess, you know, people these days when they're thinking about budgeting for their birth and postpartum, you know, birth doulas can range from, you know, very low cost for newer doulas up to $2,500, you know, and that's for a very short amount of time. And so I guess in some ways I say, well, think about, you know, the period of time that, uh, that, you know, that you're covering in your postpartum period, um, for possibly less money. Um, I don't want any competition between birth and postpartum because I find that, you know, people who have easier labors and better births have way faster, better, easier recovery postpartum. So I would love all pregnant people to have both. So the basic range, is it per hour um, in that sense? Like, how would you break that down? Because again, you're more experienced with a newer postpartum. Yeah. So what so would the financial there, range there be? Are certainly, you know, newer postpartum doulas who are probably charging around $30 and, um, you know, very experienced ones. I'm, you know, I have a bit of a sliding scale, so it depends so what I can say is one one good way to get a sense of who's out there, what they're charging, and what the range is, um, I like this website, doulamatch.net, um, and you can see right away what the hourly rate is for postpartum doulas and how much experience they have, and you can look at their testimonials. Um, so, you know, I'm always happy to share my doula match, you know, page with people because they can, they can see all the nice things that folks have said. They can see I've been doing this, you know, since 2006, um, you know, and they can get a little bit more background information like that. But yeah, I mean, I would love to see more programs that bring this kind of postpartum doula support to, to lower income people too, so that it's not just something that you get as a luxury I agree. For listeners considering hiring a postpartum doula, what are some interview questions that you recommend so the family can see if it's a good fit? 
Yeah. So sometimes it's, I mean, I think there's some very practical questions you can ask. I think it's really important to ask if you're planning on breastfeeding, what kind of breastfeeding training they have. If you have concerns about mental health issues, what kind of training they have in terms of supporting people with postpartum mood disorders. Um, if you're interested in uh, baby wearing or cloth diapering, what experience do they have with that? Um, do they cook? Do they like to cook? What kind of food do they cook? Um, you know, finding out like what hours in the day do they work? How do you like to communicate? Um, are they the kind of person who is happy to get a text at any time uh, and do a lot of, you know, texting and phone support back and forth? Or, you know, how, how's that going to work? Um, I think it's also just about that ineffable like feeling like, do I like this person? Do I want this person in my home? Do I want to take off my shirt in front of this person? <laughs> um, you know, I also feel like I want to meet the partner. I, if you have a partner, please let's involve that person so that we can all be in on this and we can all see if we're a good fit. Lately, what I've been doing is I like to do a phone call and just get some of the practical stuff out of the way. Like, where do you live? Is that a place that I can travel to easily? Um, what kind of hours are you looking for? Do I have that availability in my schedule? Like, what's the vibe that I get on the phone? And then it's great to just meet in person and be like, oh, good. I like you. You like me. This is great. Totally happy to work together. Um, and there are people who have worked together who are like very, very different from me personality wise. And I just absolutely adore them. So it's not like we have to be the same kind of person, but you gotta, you have to just make sure that you click on some level. Yeah. Cause it's a very vulnerable period for the mom and for the partner too. You know, if the partner's yeah. there and you don't want someone annoying you. Yeah. And one of the things that I really think bears mentioning and, you know, people ask me about sometimes is sort of like, what is my philosophy around parenting? And I, that is not what this is about. <laughs> I am bringing you evidence-based information about care for your baby, about feeding your baby, um, about care for yourself postpartum. It is not about how I parent and it's not, it, it is irrelevant how I think you should parent in that sense of like there being any philosophy it is about me teaching you how to read your baby's signals. It's about me giving you a whole range of tools so that when you're dealing with whatever issue it is with your baby, you are well equipped. But you are the one making those decisions about what kind of parent you want to be. Um, I, I feel like the word empower gets thrown around all the time and is a little annoying as a word. But I'm really, I really am there to empower you as parents for you to make those decisions for yourself, not for me to impose on you some rules that I have about how I want to parent my child. It, that's just not relevant. So that's, I always want to make that super clear to people. That's perfect. I, I have the very strong same philosophy, especially when I have our new teacher trainees. And I'll tell them, you may have your own visions of birth, but you cannot say what you believe birth should be. We're there to offer the women all the options for them to make the choice, for them to use their voice for their own experience. And I think that sometimes gets lost in birth advocacy and postpartum advocacy. Uh, but really our job, and I, I, yeah, I use the word empower a lot, but it is, is to give the woman her power, her sense of these are my choices and then please help support them. So yeah. you said that beautifully. You did mention something. I want to bring this up, kind of backtracking a little bit. So we've talked a lot about how the postpartum doula supports the mom, the baby. Can you talk a little bit about how the postpartum doula can support the partner and the whole family? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, that feels super important to me because I feel like sometimes what happens is the partner can feel left out, Mm -hmm. whether it's another mother or whether it's a father, um, especially sort of the process of giving birth. Um, so I work with a really diverse range of families. So I've definitely worked with tons of families who did not give birth. I've worked with tons of same-sex families. I've worked with tons of single-parent families. So there's such a huge variety. So I try to really keep that in mind. I know it's really easy to sort of talk about mother. Um, It's just not the case sometimes. But so sometimes the partners are, are on kind of a more equal footing because no one gave birth and no one is breastfeeding. But when you do have a situation where one person gave birth and one person is breastfeeding, there's just sort of naturally this way in which that person is kind of gaining in expertise or at least gaining in a certain kind of expertise faster than the other person. And it can create this gap. And I think it's really important for both parents to feel really competent and really needed and really supported as they're learning that. And allowed, you know, making the space to allow them to make some mistakes or to kind of do it awkwardly and feel funny about it, um, just so that they're not feeling defensive about like not the right way to hold the baby. I love it when partners kind of take ownership of like being the expert um, bather, the expert you know, diaper changer, the expert, you know, swaddler, swaddler, or they'll learn like some like massage techniques, or they'll learn something that they do beautifully that is related to the baby so that they also are becoming experts of their baby and feeling, you know, so competent and feeling, um, you know, like a totally equal and valued part of that family. Um, so I do a lot of modeling. I really try to remember to keep bringing them in, keep bringing them in. I think sometimes particularly, um, fathers can feel a little bit kind of like a little hands off about the breastfeeding process. And I try to really bring them in and help them identify like, this is what we want to see. If we don't see this, what can we do to help? Here are some ways you can help with, you know, pillows, you know, like I want you to hear everything I'm telling her about positioning. I want you to be able to identify when the sound of the baby is swallowing. So you can, you know, hear that too. When it is time to start pumping and giving a bottle, how do you bottle feed in a way that's really good for the baby and supports the breastfeeding relationship? Um, if there are older siblings, if they're old enough to be involved in some way to, to show them ways that they can also become experts and be really helpful. Um, sometimes it's about me paying attention to the older sibling. Sometimes it's about me paying attention to the baby so the parents can be with that older sibling. Um, I love supporting families where they are a second or third or fourth time parents because I think in a way they're the parents who really get neglected because people are like, ah, they've done it before. They know how to do this. But the truth is they need possibly even more support because they're dealing with those older kids too. So really treating that family unit as like, you are all my clients. Um, Just even having that attitude and reminding the partner to slow down or praising the way an older sibling or a partner is holding the baby. Oh, did you see the way she's looking at you? God, her eyes just lit up. Oh, she knows the sound of your voice. She knows your smell. You know, just pointing out those little things, pointing out those moments of success and confidence just can be so wonderfully reinforcing and and positive. 
That's that's just beautiful. I love that because I do feel sometimes the older child gets neglected or the second time parents are like, oh, you've done this. You know what you're doing. We're going to just kind of cruise away. Um, I really like your approach. Where can people find you? So it is my New Year's resolution for the third, fourth, whatever year <laughs> running that I need to build my own website. <laughs> but um, I'll make sure that you have the link to my doula match, uh, you know, page and they can reach me through that and they can see, you know, past testimonials from, you know, from old clients. I think my favorite is a client who referred to me as her Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can put that all in the show notes. That's how I found you, Terry. Uh, let us, you know, connected us. And then I found you through that. So I will make sure people can find you. Thank you so much for sharing your information. I really feel it's so important that people think about after the baby's born, life goes on and we need support, probably more support in a sense. So thank you for sharing. Sometimes people like are so geared up for the birth that they're like, Oh, there's a baby. (laughs) rising on some level. But I loved hearing what you had to say. And I love your attitude towards birth too. I just think we we need from all sides to be speaking the truth about this process. So it's quite a process. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon and we'll still be in touch because I really want to make sure that our, our, uh, our clients at the prenatal yoga center can find you because I love what you have to say. Absolutely. All All right. right. Well, take care. Bye. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.